0: I've gained so much from the process, not in terms of sort of dominant power of, you know, being able to influence other people in the same way, but the kind of confidence and understanding of myself and other people and what that means for my own kind of ability to change the world, to impact in small or big ways has been monumental, I would say. So it didn't feel like a loss to me at all much
1: rather again. Welcome to Ecosystems for Change, where we co-author the playbook on transforming communities by amplifying the impact of changemakers around us. Whether you are an entrepreneur or otherwise changemaker yourself, a citizen who loves their community with a passion and wants to see it thrive, whether you are a mentor, investor, support organization, advisor, philanthropic funder, economic developer or policymaker, Learn the practical tools and proven tactics of ecosystem builders from all around the world to better support the dreamers, doers, tinkerers, and makers in your community by taking a systems approach to social change. I'm your host, Annika Horn. In our last conversation of this season, we're traveling to Berlin, Germany. I'm sitting down with Naomi Ryland, systemic change maker, social entrepreneur, best selling author, and overall insightful person. Naomi and I talked about the last 10 years in the German social impact space, how to turn your organization from a hierarchical to a self-organized one, and how to shift and share power as a person with privilege. We also talk about burnout from the unicorn startup culture and raising anti-racist feminist children. The audio in this episode is not top-notch, but I'm asking you all to cut us some slack. We had to record this a second time at night after I failed to record our first interview at 7 a.m. that morning. So what you hear here are two working mothers winging an intercontinental interview across time zones after long days of work and meetings and putting children to bed. Let's go to Germany. Naomi Ryland, thank you for coming on the show. The audience doesn't know this, of course, but we actually recorded this whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) at 7.30 this morning and then didn't record it. We just had the interview. So after a big facepalm moment and a rock hitting my stomach, we are here, what feels like 20 hours later on my 15th cup of coffee, ready to have a really awesome conversation around quitting and systems change and how to gracefully move through a lot of these transitions. So Naomi, thank you for being here. Thank you for making the time a second time To talk to us and share a lot of your journey with us. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Naomi, if we were to come to your home ecosystem in Berlin, Germany, where would you take us so that we could get a really good flavor and taste for what is going on in the German capital?
0: Well, I'd have to take you to Impact Hub, of course. Um, Hopefully, everybody knows what Impact Hub is. Um, And in Berlin, they've been around just about as long as my own business. So we had our launch party at the Impact hub Berlin very first space, which was basically just a room and a different co-working space. And um, last year, they opened up a massive um, co-working space uh, in Berlin, um, which kind of represents the way in which the sector has just bloomed in Berlin since I started out, um, I guess, almost 10 years ago now, uh, when we started our business. Social impact here was a little bit exotic and there wasn't really that much going on. Um, and now it feels like it's really hit the mainstream and there's, there's an awful lot happening. Um, for good or for better or for worse. <laughs> um, but it's a, it's an exciting time to be, to be here. Um, and I would also take you to see the, the company that I've been supporting a little bit over the last few months. Um, because they're just starting out and it's also a, a, completely female founding team they're making it's called wild and they're making um tampons of seaweed they're so progressive and so radical in the things that they're doing they've just come up with their own funding terms uh, which they're presenting to investors which are like completely alternatives to anything um kind of conventional in terms of impact investing or obviously in terms of um venture camps or anything like that it's really amazing to see how yeah, things have progressed since when we started, and I wish that we'd been as brave and as um, radical as they are now. So, um, yeah, I'd probably say a little bit more about that.
1: That would be wonderful. Um, I think I went to the very first Impact Hub location years and years ago. Was it in Neukölln? Wasn't it some kind of. I remember meeting Leon. And it was really this small, scrappy space. And I haven't even seen the latest iteration. I just know that they opened up. But over the course of these 10 years, what is it like seeing all these startups now and knowing that social impact is hitting the mainstream, as you said, and and you don't have to explain to everyone and their mother what a social entrepreneur is. is? What is it like for you now, since you're such an OG to look back over the last 10 years and say, wow, have we come a long way? Have we gone in the right direction? What does that feel like for you?
0: Yeah, so it's um, it's two sides of the coin. I think on the one hand, there's so much more around to kind of support social entrepreneurs um, or people who maybe don't even know they're social entrepreneurs to kind of find out in in doing so. On the other hand, I think there's a lot more um, greenwashing and, and so sort of social washing and a little bit of a little bit of a lack of clarity around what really is impactful and what what is really going to shift the dial um i think one thing that i'm really interested in and have become increasingly interested in is the whole of system change and to what extent some of the social enterprises that have sprung up in the last uh, decade have sort of been more of a sticking plaster that upholds the system rather than challenging it and um yeah What I think I'm really interested in is figuring out how we might be able to try and system together.
1: I hear you, I did the second season of this show all around true, meaningful systems change, and that it's so much more complex and ever-evolving than it looks at first sight. And you are a perfect person to speak on that, because personally, I think your book, "Starting a Revolution," addressed this head-on of just talking about how messed up the system is especially when it comes to startups, startup funding, the blueprint of how you're supposed to build a business. Can you tell us a little bit more about your journey from starting the change and co-founding it with your co-founders, transitioning to TBD, transitioning out of TBD to now be on the board, to now be a best-selling author and TV personality, best I can tell, What was your journey through that systems change and what was that quitting moment, assuming there was one moment where it all became crystal clear to you?
0: I guess when we first started um, the changer, we tried, or I particularly tried to do everything by the book. So to try to um, build a business and and work and lead in a way that I kind of seen happen and what I believed to be necessary in order to be successful. Even though I did have a sort of differentiated view of what it meant to be successful, I wasn't, as a social entrepreneur, definitely wasn't kind of chasing the millions. <laughs> if I would have been then I definitely would have had to do something else. But even though like money wasn't necessarily my driving factor, um impact as a driving factor was also kind of came from a place of looking for some sort of external validation and The way to get there, I still believed was through kind of, you know, working super hard, going above and beyond what was actually kind of healthy and, and safe in terms of, um, you know, how much I was working and the kind of things that I was doing. As I said, it was kind of like doing things by the books, but when talking to people and kind of like in reflecting on the journey, I realized at some point that the book was not written by people like me, um, basically the book was written by privileged white males, and that maybe it wasn't a book that I necessarily wanted to uh, follow. and started so to look for other ways, other role models, other people who had built a company and an organization in an impactful way, but without kind of sticking to the status quo. And when we dug deeper, we actually found out there were there were a lot of women in particular that had done that, but they weren't really getting the the space um in the media or in the general kind of ecosystem discourse. So we interviewed a lot of those women and learned so much about what building a business can look like. And that's what we turned into the book, starting Revolution, and what I ultimately ended up trialing and prototyping and putting into practice in my own organization and that was a massive transition for me um really researching the book and writing the book led to me transitioning our organization from a hierarchical organization to a self-organized one and that was ultimately the path on which i then ended up exiting the company which and this process started in kind of like 2018 2019 and um I stepped down as Managing Director in 2021, and we're kind of figuring out how to transition me out of the board at the moment, Um, mainly for kind of legal technicalities. I'm still a board member, but practically all of the voting rights now are with the team.
1: I was under the impression that you had left TBD a lot earlier than you actually did. But that is because you managed to, I don't want to say work yourself out of a job, but this whole transition away from a hierarchy to a self-organizing organization really meant that you were able to transfer a lot of your responsibilities, a lot of what you were doing to team members based on their competence. Is that the right understanding of how that works? I mean, overly simplified, obviously, but is that the idea? Yeah, I mean... So for us,
0: self-organization meant um, competency-based hierarchy. So I think one misunderstanding of self-organization is that it's kind of like an anarchy or um, that everybody is just kind of doing their own thing or maybe it's even um, that is democratic, what's that word in English, where everybody kind of has to decide on everything. It can look like that, uh, but I think in most kind of new works set up like ours, it's something like competency-based hierarchy where hierarchy shifts, um or like power shift between members of the team based on who has the competencies to kind of take responsibility and um in for that particular project or that particular area. So it means it's shifting away from the status-based hierarchy where like one person just on the basis of the fact that they founded the organization, for example, gets to make the decisions towards in the best possible scenario, a system where the person who can best make the decision makes the decision. That involves the founder or the leader of the organization acknowledging that they're not always the best person to take the decisions, um, and that other people are, Um, and that can really be, you know, a a very new recruit or even an intern. In some situations, that's that's kind of what it looked like for me. Now I've forgotten what the actual question was. I hope I've answered it in some way.
1: (laughs) I was curious about that quitting moment because yours wasn't a like throw your phone against the wall and say I'm done this is enough I hate the startup scene instead you were like no um w- we're gonna reinvent the organization and I'm gonna hand over a lot of the things so I was wondering was there one particular moment or was it a very intentional sort of shift towards what TBD is now
0: I mean I think I had that kind of throw in the phone moment and that was the point and there definitely was it definitely was an option at at the point of this transition for me and the rest of the team to say, you know what, like we've tried. Um, it's been tough. It's also been fun, but like it's you know we don't want to do it anymore. And I and we really we did a kind of team retreats and we faced ourselves with this question and and um decided ultimately to continue but to continue differently. And part of that, certainly for me, was this idea that um, I don't really believe that, you know, our society and our economy is, you know, in a good place, let's say. I mean, even since 2018 or 2019, there's been way more crises, but it felt pretty bad back then already. So as somebody in a leadership position at the time, that was also an organization that was sort of struggling with these kind of existing structures, it kind of felt like a kind of opportunity to say, look, if we don't change the way that we work, to try and make ourselves happier and maybe more impactful and our organization more impactful than who is going to do it. And we might as well just try. Um, and if we fail at that, then that's totally fine. But at least we've sort of given it a try. Yeah, it was just an opportunity for me rather than kind of immediately like kicking it in just to say, okay, well, let's just try this one thing. Um, and I guess I kind of had in mind that probably um, it would be a sort of gradual transition for me out but that kind of felt like that was all sort of part of the process and and would be a necessary um conclusion in a way because of the power structures that we were trying to challenge and change
1: would it have been easier for you to quit instead of going on this like five-year journey of figuring out how to do it differently
0: i think it would have been easier yeah but I hope I'm not just saying this because I've sort of like convinced myself in the uh, in the meantime. I absolutely feel like it was worth while. Like it was hard. Um and there was a lot of times I regretted it. Um, I just thought like, let's just go back to how it was or like let's just end it. But ultimately, like having kind of put this process into motion, I wasn't the one who could then even like decide at some point. <laughs> so um having sort of given up that power, I didn't even have the you know power than to say like let's let's quit now that that dynamic had sort of um and continued and now the organization is in much better shape actually um interestingly both financially and sort of impactfully and although that wasn't the kind of ultimate goal that's been a really interesting and rewarding outcome
1: so one of the quotes or messages that really stuck with me from starting a revolution was this idea that i don't know if you said it your co-author or one of the women you interviewed but but it would, the essence was something like it's really hard to do things differently because we've only been taught to do them a certain way so once you say this way isn't my way it's almost like this black hole of opportunity like You're in a dark room and you don't know where the door is. You don't know where to go. It sounds really hard. And to do that for years and to do it intentionally sounds like such an act of perseverance and belief and trust in the process, even though you couldn't possibly know what the outcome was going to be or how long it was going to take. Can you talk to us about some of those struggles, some of the thoughts you had when it got really, really tough in terms of transitioning the organization away from a hierarchy towards this what unknown new structure?
0: I think this whole process is also running parallel to a lot of my own kind of inner work and understanding around privilege and my own privilege as well. And I'm a white woman who um, had a private education and although you know i don't come from like master's um family wealth i certainly come from a family which is able to support me you know if, if something were to go wrong if so i have that kind of safety net in place and if i really you know reflect honestly then i think i was only able to get myself into this position of power of being a founder because of that kind of safety net and and that background that i had so on reflecting about this um And sort of comparing like my life trajectory with other people and, um, you know, what I've been able to do and what that meant, as I say, my position of power. I think um, sort of always calling that to to mind when things did get tough was really important because I had this feeling of like, you know, if, if I don't go through this tricky situation where, you know, the worst thing that can happen is still not the very worst thing then maybe things aren't gonna change like maybe people like me are the ones who have to kind of take these risks and go through this this sort of like dark tunnel um because we're the ones who can sort of afford to lose and i guess that that was a real kind of guiding light for me during this time
1: knowing that you were the founder transferring a lot of that accountability, responsibility, vision over to other people, handing that power over to people who are competent. Did you at any point think, oh, why am I even doing this anymore? If I'm already giving like my life's work, I'm handing it over to other people. What's the point of me even doing this? Was that ever, I think that is, that is a thought that would come to me if I were handing that over. If I was brave as you were, I think I would question my importance, my role, in doing anything, and I think especially as passionate change makers, we like to see ourselves in this very heroic, brave light, but you're giving that part away by transferring it over to other people. How did you handle that, or did that not even come up for you?
0: I mean, I think in in the process, and I hope I'm understanding the question correctly, I kind of, um, my idea of power changed a little bit from a kind of like, kind of binary understanding of power, like I have power, you don't have power and if i give you my power then i lose my power To something that looks a little bit more like power sharing where if i share my power with other people it doesn't necessarily mean that i lose power It it is actually a process in which i can also gain power or gain um strength i guess in a different way and so this kind of like reframing of the idea of power meant that it didn't necessarily feel like a loss for me and it and it really doesn't feel like a, a loss for me. Um I've gained so much from the process, not in terms of sort of dominant power of, you know, being able to influence other people in the same way, but the kind of confidence and understanding of myself and other people and what that means for my own kind of ability to change the world <laughs> to impact. Um in small or big ways, has been monumental, I would say. So it didn't feel like a loss to me at all, Um, much rather again.
1: Naomi, what happened from then forward? So um, you slowly transitioned out of TPD. You're still on the board, as you mentioned. You wrote not one but two books in the meantime, which is Starting a Revolution and Unlearned Patriarchy, Um, you mentioned at the beginning of this interview that you are working with a women-owned startup. What else is cooking, if anything else?
0: Yeah, so Unlearned Patriarchy really came out of this process as well. Um, Lisa, who I wrote the first book with, we spent a lot of time talking about, yeah, our, our kind of like journey as entrepreneurs and then kind of thinking about the ways in which what we were learning about how to be leaders or how to run our businesses was actually useful to apply to other areas of our lives as well, because figuring out that business exists within a patriarchy um, kind of opened our eyes to the extent to which all of the institutions in which we exist are very dominated by, not just dominated by men, but dominated by ideas that serve men. And we've internalized a lot of those ideas as well. So our land patriarchy covers business and work, but also family, love, uh, power, capitalism, racism. And we invited a lot of different um, authors, mostly women, to share their experience and expertise on those topics. So, yeah, this whole topic of Unlearn has been very um, prominent for me. And one project that I'm working on at the moment is Unlearn Business. And that goes back to what I said earlier about systemic change, and the idea of unlearned business is to bring together profess- progressive companies who are really trying to push the dial in a systemic way, but are kind of faltering because they're meeting a lot of internal resistance and external resistance. And trying to figure out how these progressive companies can kind of work together to with each other, but also with, with research, with art, to... Figure out how we can come up with radical solutions to some of the ways that we're doing business or ra- radical alternatives to some of the ways that we're doing business, whether it's funding or compensation, uh, marketing or recruiting. Because if you look at compensation, for example, one of the labs that we've kind of put into place um, looks at privilege based compensation. Um, Because if you you look at the way that we're compensating at the moment, it actually kind of reinforces existing inequalities on the basis of privilege. Because if you look at, for example, you know, people who've maybe got a university degree are likely to get paid more, but you only get a university degree if you're already privileged in a lot of societies because they're the only people that can afford it, etc. And if we kind of believe that we want to redistribute wealth, then we need to maybe you know, look on a kind of like small scale, okay, how can we do this within our businesses and what does it take to implement a system like that within a business? And that's, I think, a really good example for how it might be easier to kind of like look at these questions together with other companies um, because they are pretty scary topics and then work together to try and implement them together and learn from that experience and then hopefully implement
1: uh, on, a, on a broader scale two things happen right now with everybody who's listening. I think they're either freaking out because like you said, (laughs) everything you just said sounds pretty scary and radical, or they get really excited because they've had a taste of what it's like to be on either end of privilege and get a taste of how unfair and unjust the system can be in that regard. So I am super looking forward to the book Unlearned Business and kind of learning alongside with you guys. So if you know, whatever you share in the meantime and how this book comes out. I'm sure it's not a once done and we'll never talk about it again. So I think it's a really important discourse that you are charting with this conversation. And I look forward to hearing what comes of it. I know that since I last, I don't even know when I last saw you, it must've been, it's been a really long time. But I know that since then, you've also become a mother. And I am really curious if you're willing to share how a lot of this Thinking about and experiencing patriarchy is impacting how you raise a feminist child and how you how you do other things. How how are you a change maker, a systems thinker, a parent, a daughter, a community member, an activist, an author? How has others learning about patriarchy impacted how you go through the world and, and see yourself in these different roles? That we all carry within us,
0: mm. yeah, I mean, I think um we we touched on this a little bit earlier that um it's almost like a project for me to figure out what it means to have a good life um now as a mother and somebody who's really interested in doing meaningful work uh, because previously that was like my main priority, <laughs> and Although I loved it, as I mentioned, I, it wasn't always super healthy of it with the way that I approached it and like burnout or near burnout was always sort of like a, in my periphery, <laughs> either affecting me directly or people in my direct, um, circle. And, you know, knowing a lot of parents and, and mothers in particular, um, that that, you know, burnout is obviously an issue, regardless of the whole work topic. So, Yeah, it's really a lot of questions about what it means to work in a meaningful way, to to raise a child, to kind of be other things to other people as well, to be a friend, to be a daughter, to be a sister, a community member, you know, a member of your town or your local area that's kind of taking an active role and how, uh, yeah, how that can sort of like fit in um, and figuring out, you know, whether, work has to be the main thing whether even being a mother has to be the main thing or whether there's a kind of like a shift which can or needs to happen um maybe for all of us and that's something i'm really interested in i definitely don't have the answer to one big part of that for example um which is maybe a big difference in germany to, to america is the topic of childcare, care um and I'm speaking about this topic from the very privileged position of having completely free, full-time childcare from basically, I mean, you started at one, but we would have been able to have started even younger than that. And that goes right out of school. And I know that, I mean, I don't even know if I would have had a child <laughs> if I didn't um, know that that would have been an option. And I certainly wouldn't have the kind of life that I do now um, if it if it wasn't part of my system. So I'm super grateful yeah. for that and super excited to to kind of think about what else we might come up with <laughs> to kind of make our lives easier. That maybe we think of complete utopias now. I think probably the idea of completely free childcare feels like a utopia for a lot of people in the world. Um and I'm sure, you know, we know that there's like a lot of other things that we could do to make our lives easier. Um, and I, I hope that, you know, we're going to move in that direction.
1: I don't know if you've noticed this about yourself, but when I first became a parent and, and even now that I'm five years into this journey, I catch myself repeating patterns that I wasn't even aware of having, but I think they're so deeply and subconsciously programmed that I often have to question myself about, is this really how I want to be showing up as a parent? Is this really the kind of values I want to instill in my daughter? Or is this just my dad and how he talked to me back in the day? And like, no hate against my dad. He's wonderful. But I'm thinking especially because we talked about the doing things differently when you've only ever known them one way is reflected in, in rearing children, is reflected in how we lead companies. And I've, it can sometimes feel like it's a constant swimming upstream. I'm not going to say battle, but <laughs> if you're constantly questioning not just how you show up, but how the rest of the world shows up for your child and for you as a mother, I think it's a pretty exhausting journey at times. How do you, how do you take care of yourself in those moments? Where do, how do you retreat or anchor yourself and who's in your corner to listen and support
0: i guess like me, my partner and i are kind of working pretty hard to establish a system like a family system that um that allows us both to have time for say time for ourselves to so like time to sort of develop ourselves um beyond the role of parent. neither of us have our families in Berlin so that's an additional kind of struggle because I think um that's sort of part of our system certainly like in Europe anyway that the grandparents are kind of like filling in a lot of gaps. We've got our kind of like chosen family of, of friends that are sort of helping out to a certain extent Um but I think one thing that really helps me in all of these areas whether it's work or family is to try and share with other people as much as possible um especially when things aren't working and when it feels like I'm failing or I'm the one kind of not fitting into the system or not doing things quite right because in my experience the more that I share about what feels bad or what what where I kind of like have a bit of shame or um feel like I'm I'm failing I tend to then Learn from other people that they've had a very similar experience, they have very similar feelings, and then you have this sense of solidarity and community um, directly, and even that helps on its own. So, um, from a practical point of view, it kind of means that you can develop strategies together to overcome it, or even on a much bigger sort of political scale, become active to try and change the system, um, so it's not only the individuals. And I mean, I, I'm at the very beginning of my parental journey, but um, I I imagine that that's going to be an important resource for um, this as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We've talked about the projects you're working on. We've talked about parenting, about systems change. Is there anything else on the horizon that we as the audience can look forward to? Ways in which we can hear from you, read you, watch you? Engage with you. What what lies ahead? Not to say that your plate isn't full as it is, but um, is there anything that you're looking forward to?
0: I mean, I think Unknown Business Lab um, is uh, worth checking out. Unknown patriarchy is only available in German, unfortunately, but we're thinking about doing an English version. So um, <laughs> keep eyes posted, or um, we'd love to hear about people that, that you think should write chapters, or contribute to that um, in some way. But yeah, I'm also kind of hoping to have a lot of downtime <laughs> and just um yeah, as I mentioned, I guess have a some balance and um to not kind of like stretch myself constantly. Um and to yeah, have a sort of like to sort of like make my life a little bit smaller in some ways and, and a bit close closer and um to kind of focus on on the
1: micro side of things than just the macro side of things. Sounds wonderful. Naomi, I want to get into the rapid fire round here shortly, but before we do, I want to let people know that they can find out more about you and follow along with the work on naomiryland.com. If they haven't yet, they should definitely grab Starting a Revolution, which I think is available at least in English and German, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Spanish. And Spanish. (laughs) There you go. And Unlearned Patriarchy currently only available in German until we find the right contributors and translators to also publish it in English. All right. Here's a rapid-fire round where I start a sentence and you finish it for me. Sounds good? Okay. Yeah,
0: I'm just going to say it's 9 p.m. where I am.
1: So I don't know how rapid I can fire, but we'll try. (laughs) I'm not going to hold anything against you at this point. Um, (laughs) First question, Naomi. Quitting is? It can be incredibly
0: empowering. And if it's the right thing to do, then it's the right thing to do.
1: Who is an ecosystem builder that everybody else should know about?
0: I mean, my co author and one of my best friends, um, Lisa Jaspers, for uh, the J, is an incredible network, networker, community builder and thinker. And um, yeah, I think watch this space. I'd like to see her as the, um, the president of Germany or like the, the chancellor of Germany at some point. But um, if not, then you'll see her somewhere else. She's, she's a great one to
1: follow. She has my vote. Is she still running Fog Days? She is. Yeah. But she's doing like of a, a slide from that. So, yeah. It feels like if she's in your sphere of inference, uh, influence, that's probably goes without saying. Lastly, what is one resource, book, podcast, video, et cetera, that influenced you so much that you want to recommend to other changemakers?
0: I have loved reading, um, Bell Hooks. I've read All About Love and some of the other uh, books by her. And yeah, it's always been incredibly, like, mind-blowing for me, um, especially when it comes to the topic of power um, and, yeah, love in that, in that sense.
1: Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the book that I would recommend. Wonderful, Naomi. Thank you again for making the time, not once, but twice today to talk to me and have a very insightful conversation. I really appreciate it and look forward to having you back on the show once your next book is out or you have other newsworthy things to share with us. Thank you so much, Naomi. Thank
0: you.
1: Find out more about Naomi at NaomiRyland.com and make sure to grab a copy of her book, Starting a Revolution. If you'd like for me to talk about ecosystem building for social change in your community, on your podcast or at your event, please contact me at socialventurers.com. I pay my respect to the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live, the Monacan, Shawanda Setula and Monahawk people. I recognize their continuing connection to land, water, and community. I pay respect to Ella's past, present, and emerging. This episode was produced by Yellow House Media.